about the seeds of compromise. This week, we're going to talk about the harvest of compromise. Okay, I said last week, but it's been closer to two. I haven't been recording lately. I've been a little little lazy. But um, we'll try to get through it this time. So our text is going to come from 2 Samuel chapter 11. Um, this is one we all know, but hopefully I'll be able to look at it from a slightly different perspective. I'll be reading from the New International Version today. And we are going to start in verse 1, 2 Samuel verse 1, reading from the New International Version. And it says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Amorites and besieged Reb, sorry, R-A-B-B-A-H, Reb. But David remained in Jerusalem. We're going to talk about that for just a second here. A lot of times compromise starts out in our lives by not being where we're supposed to be. Um, it says clearly in the text that it was the time of year when kings should have been going off to war. But for some reason, he decided to stay at the house and send someone else to do his job. There's a lot to be said for being where we're supposed to be when we're supposed to be there. And King David was not. So he was just kind of chilling at the house there. Granted, it was a big house, but he was still there and he wasn't really supposed to be there. Text goes on to say in verse 2, one evening David got up from his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. So, not only was he not where he was supposed to be, he decided to take himself a snooze. Nothing wrong with taking a nap. I'm a big proponent of naps. But he was up in the evening sometime, you know. Uh, and so he uh, was walking around on the roof of the palace, and it said, uh, from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find a, find out about her. All right. Gentlemen, and sometimes we end up seeing things that we shouldn't see. And it's up to us if we're going to compromise and take that second look. Or we're going to turn away. Two things are going on here. First of all, King David wasn't where he was supposed to be. I heard a comedian one time say, if you spend your time doing the do's, you don't have time to do the don'ts. So he wasn't doing the do's. He was chilling at the house when he should have been off directing his men in battle. Second thing, second compromise he made here was taking that second look. Now, we're about to go down a little bit of a rabbit trail, but it's something we talked about at men's Bible study the other night. <laughs> Ironically, when we were supposed to be talking about something else. I've heard a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, I've heard some people lay part of the blame on Bathsheba herself. But here's what was going on. 
Bathsheba was in the process of following Jewish law. It was seven days after her monthly cycle, and she was in the process of cleansing herself. It wasn't just a bath. She was in what's called a mikvah pool, and you can look that up, a mikvah pool. It's a pool that had a stream of water coming into it to keep the water circulating and, and, and moving around. Actually, that's what living water is. Living water is moving water. So she was there purifying herself after her monthly cycle just like she should have been. She wasn't sitting on the roof. She wasn't up there flaunting like what she's got. And she was doing what she should have been doing. Most likely the place where she was was walled in and you had to have a certain vantage point to see over the walls. The, uh, the king's castle or the walls that were part of the castle were generally the highest point in the city. And it probably allowed King David a vantage point that not many people had. And his first mistake was taking that second look. And once he took that second look, he decided to send someone out to go get her. That was the second compromise he makes. And it just kind of goes on from there. Now, long story short, he slept with her. He got her pregnant. Okay? So now... Not being where he's supposed to be, compromise one. Taking that second look, compromise two. Had led him into compromise three. He got Uriah's wife pregnant. So instead of owning up to it, he goes and makes a third compromise and tries to get Uriah killed. Well, that didn't work, so he goes on and purposefully has him put up to the front so he can get killed, so he can cover up his sin. Compromise in the life of a believer always leads to having to cover stuff up because we didn't do it right in the first place. We allowed a thought to happen, and then we dwelled on it. It says in the Corinthians that we are, I believe it's 10 4 that we are to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And that's where everything starts. It says in the book of James that we are all dragged away by our own lust. Whose lust? Our own. We have no one to blame but ourselves. You know, the devil didn't make you do it. You did it because you wanted to do it. You did it because you allowed it to happen. You don't have to obey every thought that comes into your melon. Sometimes you need to let it pass. So the seeds of compromise that King David planted grew up into a harvest. It grew up into a harvest of murder. It grew up into a harvest of deceit. And it grew up into a harvest of the child he had with Bathsheba trying to kill him. And it affected his life for the rest of his life. And it wasn't until Psalm 51, until the prophet Nathan came in and confronted him about it, that he realized what had happened. We all know the, the Psalm 51, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And the Lord did that. But how much better may it have been 
not only for him, but for me and for you and the ones listening, that if we avoid it to begin with, if when we recognize that we're having a compromising thought, that we stop it right there and don't think about it again, remove ourselves from that situation, go do something else, call a friend, do anything. How many compromises has started from people hanging out with somebody's spouse by themselves when they shouldn't have been anywhere near it? How many compromises have started when somebody says, well, I'll, just, I'll just take this pen from work. Nobody will notice. How many compromises have started out with something seemingly innocent and little? Friends, there's nothing innocent and little about the compromises we make. And we all make them. I make them too. But every day, I ask God for strength. Strength to take my thoughts captive so I don't make those compromises. So I can do things that glorify God. It's true, we're all going to be struggling with sin until God calls us home. But we have to stop and think about compromise. We have to think about the seeds that get planted before the harvest of compromise comes and we're left out in the weeds. I realize this is probably not the most eloquent recitation you've heard on this particular subject, but it's coming from somebody who really understands. I know my life is better when I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. I know my life is better when I'm thinking the thoughts that I'm supposed to be thinking and asking God to give me wisdom, patience, and understanding and having men in my life that I'm accountable to. Because once the harvest of compromise happens, it spreads rapidly. Anybody who's ever planted a garden, once weeds get a foothold in it, you're constantly battling the weeds and not tending the crop that you wanted to, that you wanted to grow. So it's something important that we have to rectify before the seed gets planted. Anyway, it's just something to think about. And I'm certainly not talking as one who has this mastered, but I'm talking as somebody who's failed and knows the pain of it and knows the regrets. I'm also talking as someone who's up and trying and wanting to encourage both men and women who are hearing this to do the same thing. It says in Galatians, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And everything starts in our mind. It says in the book of James that we are dragged away by our own lust. It's nobody's fault but ours, really. That's a pretty cheery subject, isn't it? <laughs> but it's something to think about. I still fail. I still struggle. But I'm starting to see more success than failures. And I'm starting to feel joy. 
and strength and peace. But think about King David. Next time you decide to be somewhere where you're not supposed to be. Think about King David. Next time you see something you're not supposed to see and are tempted to turn back and take a second look. Think about what it cost him. Reading the story in 2 Samuel here is, is worth a read, and I encourage you to sit down and read it and study about King David's life. Because even though God redeemed him, it still caused him problems. It still brought sorrow to his life. God will forgive us. Always. Sometimes, however, he doesn't bring crop failure, and we have to deal with the results and the ramifications of our sins. Well, boys and girls, that's just something for you to think about. And I hope this has served as an encouragement to you. Also, I want you to remember that we have an email address for the podcast now. It is I-S-C-T. It's still called today. Podcast at gmail.com. I-S-C-T podcast at gmail.com. If you have any prayer requests or comments or anything like that. You know, keep them nice. Don't be ugly. Um, go ahead and drop me a line at isct at gmail.com. And um, keep pressing toward the prize. If you find yourself, as you listen to this, thinking about the compromises you just made, repent. Ask God to forgive you. Stand back up. Keep walking toward the toward the prize if you have breath in your lungs it's not too late all right boys and girls have a good day